I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. Well, I am excited today to welcome Trevor Bohm to The Discomfort Practice, and I'm going to read his very long and very impressive biography, which might make him uncomfortable, might not, don't know, it usually does. But here we go. So Trevor Bohm is inspiring millions of men around the world to shift their experience of masculinity by combining the primal masculine with the divine masculine. He's the author of the books Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized. He's also a two-time TEDx speaker, storyteller, podcast host, and founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement. It's about harnessing the inherent primal power and leadership of men and coupling it with deeply conscious divine masculine, combining strength and consciousness. Uncivilized describes itself as unapologetically male, dangerous, but not a danger. Make still his mind, make savage his body, knows his gifts grow in the garden of his wounds, practices presence and performance, honors the men before him, the women who bore him, and the children who will inherit his earth. It goes on. It's beautiful. Y'all have to visit the website because it's just a beautiful read. And as somebody who writes a lot of this stuff for people and is a storyteller, it is just beautiful storytelling about what men can be. Traver is formerly a strength and conditioning coach. CrossFit gym owner, MMA fighter, bodyguard, and take a deep breath, still a licensed acupuncturist, avid meditator, and claims to be a mediocre surfer. I think he's possibly being modest. His passion is for people, and he has a unique lens through which to view the human experience. Traver is a highly sought after transformational coach in the fields of consciousness, relationship, and personal development. And there's a pretty amazing backstory to all of this, as you might guess. In 2016, after losing a pregnancy, his marriage and his business partnership all within days of each other, he created a radical social experiment and spent the next 12 months as if it were his last year to live, aptly naming it the Year to Live Project. A few highlights include volunteering with the dying as a hospice worker, spending 28 days in complete isolation and pitch black darkness in Guatemala, which is a story I came across and that was my first contact with Traver and wow. (laughs) And then living in the frigid Utah wilderness for a month with only a knife, a water bottle, and a blanket. So after publishing Today I Rise and receiving an influx of calls specifically from men, Traver began guiding men through their own journey into an actualized version of masculinity by asking them these two questions. Are you leading or being led? And what are your wounds and what are you doing to heal them? So the first place I came across Traver was when I stumbled on something that he'd written about that dark isolation in Guatemala. It blew my mind. I wanted to know more. I also found myself thinking, oh my God, that's the scariest thing I've ever heard. Who is this man? And then I heard him on one of my favorite podcasts by relationship teacher Mark Groves back way back in May 2019. So here we are almost two years later, and I am so privileged and so excited to have you here on the podcast today. So welcome, Traver. Thank you. 
that wasn't as terrible and uncomfortable as I thought it would be. I was basking in your words. <laughs> oh, good. Then we're going to be fine. I think you're uh, quite comfortable at the edge of your comfort zone. In fact, do you even have a comfort zone anymore? At this point, Betsy, it is. I, I joke with people that like I left it in New York. I <laughs> left it when I did that Year to Live project. It was. I felt like I had been kicked out of the comfort zone nest and went, okay, if this is life, then let's just keep rolling with it. And so to answer your question, uh, I, I went to an osteopath yesterday because I have a little bit of a neck injury. She's like, tell me, how relaxed are you? I was like, eh, like, I think I'm relaxed. And she started working on me. She's like, you're one of the tensest people I've ever met. <laughs> Okay, so your self-perception might need yeah, some work. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm chill as a cucumber, hon. What are you feeling? <laughs> Don't she touch me. She's like, nope, nope. The reactivity here is I touch you and your muscles right. go, leave me alone. Yeah, I've experienced that with, with yoga clients, with men I know. So, okay. Okay. It might be really hard to answer this question mm. with just one point, but I always mm. start with the same question, which is what is an uncomfortable moment that's changed your life, that's shaped who you are in the world? Just one. I mean, yeah. it could be a collection of moments that are one moment, but yeah. What's an uncomfortable moment that shaped who you are in the world and how you see the world? It's a great question. And I could probably list a thousand, but the one that popped up right before I decided to do the year to live project, <clears throat> this was when my life had kind of fallen apart. I remember sitting in my truck and calling a therapist who I'd worked with and so like, I think I need to stop drinking and getting high and looking at and living the life that I'm living. And he goes, okay, cool. Here's what I need you to do tonight. This is at like four o'clock on a Friday. Like I need you to go to an AA meeting. And I was like, Hey, real quick. Um, I'm not an alcoholic. Like just, just so you know, uh, I probably drink like six beers a week. I don't, and he's like, I don't really care if you're serious about this, go to the meeting. And by the way, your life's in the shitter, so it'll be really helpful for you to see some other people who have gone through challenge and are, and are also coming out of it. And like, I, I just want to say one more time, man, like this is a dumb idea. I'm not an alcoholic. He's like, go to the meeting. And so about an hour later, there are meetings all the time. I didn't realize this because it wasn't in the AA world. I'm sitting again in my truck outside of a church in Santa Barbara, and I've got like the, the lights in the truck are off. My hat is pulled down. It's like, God forbid anybody in this town sees me here because I'm the guy who runs the gym. I'm the guy who, who they come to for acupuncture. I'm the coach who's gotten a number of people sober. And so that moment was so uncomfortable because I was facing how people would view me if I even acknowledged, hey, I'm curious about this or if I showed any weakness. And it was pivotal because it was at that meeting that I actually made the decision, I'm never going to drink again. Even if it was only a six pack a week or 12, whatever it was, I'm not going to drink again because I want to see what's on the other side of this huge societal social piece. And I want to know if I can do something that's harder than what most people can do that's social. I knew my physical capabilities. I knew I could do things other people couldn't. But wow, did I have enough wherewithal, sense of self, confidence, whatever we want to say, to approach the rest of my life in a manner that's so different than societal? 
And at the time, I just found out I was getting divorced. So I also thought socially, this is a really bad move, right? Like, what am I going to put on a dating profile? I don't drink. What am I going to show up? What do people do on first dates? And yet, I'm to this, I haven't had a drink in six plus years and have led courses on it, have talked about it, and have made it so insignificant. Like, if you ask me, do you drink? You say, no, I don't drink. What'd you do? Well, I just stopped drinking one day. Uh, I didn't go back to AA. But that moment was so pivotal because it led to, here's the juice, it led to all of the growth that I got to hide behind with a drink in my hand. So going to a cocktail party, running an event, going to a wedding, going to a social situation, having friends that have conversations other than football, going through life without this crutch. And so it was massive because it felt like, you know, I've described this as a door. That moment was like standing in front of a door. And that door said, like, on the other side of me is the potential and possibility for everything you've ever wanted. And on this side of the, on, on this side of the door is the exact life you've had up till now. Now, do you want to walk through this door? It's just the possibility. It's just the potential. It's not the full guarantee. But you don't get to bring alcohol through that door with you. And I went, no. oh, fuck. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. Let's just see what's on the other side. And here, you know, two books, two TED Talks, a movement, workshops all over the world, a following later. And people are like, do you miss drinking? Like, not a chance. Not one point, not, not 0.01%. I don't miss it at all. And could I have been where I am now without, without, with it? I don't know. But it felt like in that moment, it was shit or get off the pot time. Like, do you want to yeah. play or you want to play, right? That's what I was going to so, ask. Do you think you'd be where you are now if you hadn't made that decision? Not because it was about the alcohol, but because it was about no. the decision to step off the cliff. It 100%. It was the first time in my life that I really fell without a net. And went, you know what? Okay, this could be a disaster. And what was what I was facing at the mo- at the time was really my biggest fear was loneliness, right? Because this alcohol is my is where I hang out with people. I'm about to be dating again, but more so it was, do you want to go right? Do you want to go left? And left circles back eventually and lands you right back where you are. Right is the wild unknown. Are you going to be a fucking player? Like it literally was, it was kind of aggressive. It, it reminded me of when I first started walking out to fight in cages. It was like, you got to have this mindset that you're going to get your ass handed to you. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how bad. So fuck it, bring it, let's do this. And that level of relationship with an acceptance of discomfort changed everything. And wow. I got to tell you guys, for people who drink, I, I don't care if people drink at all. Uh, people in my groups drink, people, et cetera. But for two, three years, I wore it like a superpower. I was like, oh, really? You can't write a book? I can write a book. You know how I know? I quit drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Why? What are you stuck on? Oh, you're stuck back there. Oh, that's adorable. Okay. Let me know when you've when you've crossed that bridge and let's actually get some shit done. Yeah. Well, it's just a socially acceptable way for us to plug our insecurities or, or not stand naked and fully in our power in the world. Right. That's it. hundred percent. Yeah. It was so much less about the alcohol and so much more about actually looking someone in the eye and saying like, no, I just don't do that. Like end of conversation. And I have zero going on on my insides 
that makes me question that or, or, or hide from that or apologize for that. It was like, here's who I am. Mm. Let's play. Let's do this. That brings us quite neatly into the question I wanted to ask about masculinity because sure. drinking is such a part of society, but there is so much about being a man and drinking hard and mm-hmm. and it being a way of numbing emotions because so many men just poor things don't have emotional vocabulary or the ability to be with emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about masculinity and sure. why you started the uncivilized movement and why it's time to reclaim, redefine, read the fuck, whatever it. What's the problem and what inspired you to start this movement? <sighs> Two very separate questions. What inspired me was <clears throat> I came out of the Year to Live project with an understanding of who I was as a human. I did the like find yourself year, right? I did the hard things. I, I cried a lot. I fell in love, like did the things. But then I didn't know the answer to who am I as a man? And I went, oh, this is probably even more important than who am I as a human? Because I express myself in the world first as a man, then as a, then as a human, just personally. And at this time, if we, if we think back, this was 2017, 2018, Me Too just hit. And so I'm in New York, living in New York. Me Too is on the every fucking day. It's like someone else was a rapist. Someone else like had some weird shit in his office where he could push a button and no one could leave. Someone else was, was being outed. And it wasn't just the someone else. It was every woman I knew without a single exception. Every single one had multiple stories about harassment all the way up through rape. And so I just went, wait, 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 wait a minute. We have a, we have a massive problem here. And what I was being inundated with, Betsy, was article, news article, some, some publication. Here's what's wrong with men. Here's what's wrong with men. Here's what men are doing wrong. Here's what's fucked. Boys are bad. Masculinity bad. Masculinity toxic, yada, yada. And I kept searching for the now here's what we do. Like I'd like look, scroll down to the bottom of the article, like where are the action steps? Where's the call? Yeah. And there was nothing. Mm, just the and shame went, and the, just the, just the, anger. the anger, just the, the mm. overflow, which I believed had a space. It was necessary. It was so necessary. Absolutely. But, but if we want to solve a problem, we can't just name the problem, especially when you're talking to men who are the doers. Mm. And so it was this unique kind of experience of watching that on the news and then for the first time in my professional life, more men than women were contacting me. I'd owned a gym. I was an acupuncturist. I, I was in the feminine realm. And then suddenly it's like dude after dude after dude after dude. And I'm having the same conversation over and over and over and over. And the joke is, you know, so one of the guys is like, you should probably start charging for this. So I'm just <laughs> taking people phone calls for free. They're like, oh, you read my book? Hell yeah, I'll get on the phone with you. And so it was a mix of those conversations, the year I'd gone through, my unique background, which was very polar, which was hyper-masculine for a number of years, and then deep in the hyper-feminine spiritual world. And I kind of had to bounce back and forth between the two. If you had met me eight years ago, I would teach classes at a gym, screaming at people. I would teach guys how to fight. I would teach boxing and kickboxing, take my shirt off, put a button shirt on, ride a skateboard like three blocks away and be like, hi, tell me what's going on with your chi. Wow. Tell me what's, oh, really? Tell me what's going on with your marriage. And so 
I felt very bipolar. And here we are in this space where I could tell guys, you need to fucking man up in a different way. You need to find your balls. You need to find your confidence. You actually need to express yourself like you have something to give to the world. And holy shit, you have no relationship with your heart whatsoever, do you? You don't understand a thing about emotion, do you? And so I started, as said, started having the same conversation and started looking at the options for men. I was like, I'm looking, for, I'm searching for this. So what do I do? And it was like, go be a Navy SEAL for a weekend and become a warrior or no offense to all the people I'm about to name, go be like a vegan poet feminist for the weekend yogi. And there was nothing in between. And I went, well, I kind of want to be halfway of both. I don't want to be all in on either side. Why do I have to pick? And so I threw an idea out on social media of like, hey, what if men got back in touch with the primal and also called in a heavy dose of consciousness? What if we did that? How would that feel? And the response I got was overwhelming in that I couldn't handle how many people were starting to come to me and people asking me to speak and people asking me to write. And so it, it was kind of divine timing and my own personal journey arrived at a place where society needed a new idea. And I had the languaging to say to a guy, like, I'm going to fuck your world up by making you feel things. Like, <laughs> I, love, I, I love that. I love the sort of not bipolarity, but yes, just like I, my brain just blew up. I love that. I love that. That's what was missing was it wasn't sale. It was just, this is how I lived. So it was very natural and it just came out very naturally. So that was the how. The why was because I was I'm not dumb. I could look at the planet and go, we are fucking this thing up. I can ask any woman, have you been in fear? Have you been assaulted? Have you been harassed? Have you been stalked? Have you been like down the list? And every single one said yes. I went, okay, whose responsibility is this? It's ours, but why aren't we talking about this? what's 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 three layers deeper okay oh what if we get rid of the shame what if we get rid of the guilt what if we start asking men how are you in pain and think hey hold on for a second don't run away sit here with me by the way i fought in a cage so you can use the f word cool <laughs> now tell me about your pain and went, oh you guys are in excruciating pain and you have no other option that you believe other than numb or subjugate and get violent mm -hmm. okay and the more the more you numb the at some point it's going to come out as subjugation or violence why don't we create a space where i can teach you how to express yourself but more so give you permission to express yourself mm. and actually we get to bleed off some of that pain because this is a good moment to just sort of interject with another question and go back to the movement. But sure, sure, just, sure. You talked about that that crisis that men are going through and the range of options is so limited that mm -hmm. there is this men's mental health crisis and mm -hmm. suicide and mm -hmm. men are cracking. And, mm -hmm. and rather than helping them, society just piles shame on them for either being toxic, masculine, or being weak. So right. yeah, what is the crisis? Like tell that to people because a lot of people probably listening aren't fully aware maybe of what's mm. actually going on with men it's so muddy so we i'm a i'm a guy i need a job i need a role tell me what to do and i'm going to do it 
but tell me two conflicting things and tell me I have to do both of them and I'm going to sit down. Tell me I'm going to lose if I go right. I'm going to lose if I go left. I'm not going to move. No matter how much you yell at me to move and tell me I have to do this. If I loved you, I'd do this, whatever. So we have this double-edged sword of one, most men have been shamed, guilted, or even assaulted for expressing weakness or emotion at some point in their life. They've been left by women for it. They've been told that they're pussies. They've been beat up by their friends. They've been beat up by their fathers. They've been beat up by uncles and cousins for showing any kind of emotion. So that's problem A. Problem B is they have been also traumatized in massive, massive, massive ways. So you have this welling of pain in their guts. And I'm not trying to paint men as victims. I'm trying to paint them as humans who have been equally traumatized by society, often very specifically traumatized. And there's no outlet for that because the outlet is weakness. And as a culture, men have decided that death is better than weakness. So it's like we have very conflicting options. Now you also have, and I'm going to, I love feminism, love the Me Too movement, but one of the after effects of feminism was how many years and years and years men heard, we don't need you. We don't need you anymore. You're irrelevant, right? You're actually not important. If you do step up and lead, you're toxic. If you show any kind of natural primal instinct, unless we're in a calamity, then we're going to really need you and pull you in and and shame you for not participating. But until then, we need you to step down and shut up. And so it was this massive ball of conflict. And when we look at the situation from a mile above and go, oh, this makes perfect sense to me, right? Where I have workshop after workshop of guys I'm saying, okay, by the end, I'll be able to ask this question. How many of you have been sexually assaulted? And half the hands go up. How many of you watch your dad beat the shit out of your mother over and over and over? Half the hands go up. How many of you got the shit beaten out of you by a mother or a father? Half the hands go up. How many of you were raised by women, and this is no blame, who were either afraid of men or hated men and therefore instilled in you that there was something wrong with you because you were a man? So you take all of that, Betsy, and you put it in a 190-pound body brimming with testosterone bombarded with sexual input and then a 12 pack and we go huh why do we have the problems that we have yeah yeah when you put it like that it just makes such sense that everybody's in pain because you know there are probably going to be some people listening to this who think how dare you but actually let's draw it back to Mm -hmm. everybody is hurt by the patriarchy air quotes because it doesn't allow men to be what they're programmed to be it doesn't allow women to allow men to be men. And and we all lose. We all lose. We're all losing. And it's this big, mushy soup. And yet again, though, I'm in a bigger, faster, stronger, more aggressive body than you are. And we don't take biology into account. It's one of the little things we're trying to bypass today. But yet when I can take that same biological unit and say, hey, let me help you release that pain and let me give you a different purpose. Let me actually ask you to be in a protective role. Let me ask you to be in a space holding role. Let me tell you this. The greatest honor you can do is to usher a higher form of consciousness, which will come through the feminine, 
which will come through women. So, oh, we don't need you anymore. That's bullshit. That's from the 90s. We need you now more than ever, not to bring us a paycheck and not to like stand guard outside the door with a spear in case like a lion comes, but to actually shift the entire collective consciousness of the planet. So brother, you got a job and you're super fucking important. So quit drinking, quit jerking off on the internet, go to therapy, learn how to feel your heart, learn how to express yourself and become part of the solution. When I present that to a hundred men, I get 99, 99 hands are like, okay, I'm in. How do I do this? You want me to go to therapy? I'll go to therapy. You want me to quit drinking? I'll quit drinking. You want me to, whatever it is you want me to do, I'll do it. When five years ago, it was just, oh, you're an asshole. You're toxic. You're part of the problem. You are the patriarchy. You are toxic masculinity. You are male supremacy. You are privilege. You are all the things that most guys hear and then are like, now my brain's off. Yeah. Well, Let me go back okay. to drinking, smoking, and jerking off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Discomfort <laughs> practice. Who's uncomfortable? Take a breath. Here we go. Go for it, Hi, Traver. <laughs> Traver Boom, the man, the legend. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. Yeah, that's that's the why. And this just came up. I'm sure you've heard about it in Europe. The Sarah Everard stuff. Oh, yeah. Where we have not all men. And we go, okay, but guys, do you not see that this is us? Like, I, I just don't wake up every morning. I'm like, man, more serial killing women, more mass shooting from women. God, 50 guys got raped by women this weekend in New York. No, nope, I just don't wake up reading that. I, I know men who have challenging relationships. I've been in challenging relationships, but we don't walk the planet in fear. My job is to use language that men will hear and then have something for them to do because we are the doers. If we just tell men, here's a problem, we'll just stare at the problem. We're like German shepherds, <laughs> right? Like, give me a bone. I'll be like, rrr, 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 look at me. I'm so good at chewing on this bone, but don't give me a bone. I'm going to chew on your couch <laughs> or I'm going to oh, pee on it. <laughs> ways of describing men that I can't do as a woman. But I, I love what you're saying though, that brings back. So a couple episodes ago, I interviewed an activist who realized that this, the Oxford English Dictionary had an entirely sexist and derogatory definition of the word woman. So mm. she started a petition that got 34,000 signatories and the OED changed their definition in November. But we were talking about how, how this is all about collective liberation and rising together. And, and what you're talking about is actually having, we talk about gender equality and unlocking your entire workforce by paying women equally, but also in order to evolve as a society and fix some of the fucked up problems we're facing, we need to unlock all of every single human being on this planet and allow men to be in their masculine as well as women to be in their masculine. And I'm going to get uncomfortable and talk about, I've started dating again, um, mm. you know, a couple years after a divorce and what I crave is actually that balance because I have worked so hard on stepping into and developing my feminine. Mm. I want to be with a man who's in his masculine so I For can sure. be in my feminine and not have to act in those brittle, exhausting ways that have gotten me so far in my career, in my life, but I'm exhausted and I want to have a teammate who is also a balance to me. So mm -hmm. from a very personal level, I crave that from the of men course. around me. And I've begun to get to know a lot more really beautiful masculine men in my mm -hmm. life, you know, 
friends' husbands and their friends and just gangs of men who are total bros. And it's just mm. so beautiful to be around because yeah. I get to be fully myself and I get to be sure. safe as a woman around sure. these men. And it's just such a relief. It's beautiful. I think that's the word, right? Your nervous system is different than mine. Your nervous system responds to to my nervous system in a way if I'm grounded and relaxed, it will put your nervous system in a different state. If you are deep in your feminine, it will put me in a different state. And we have people who then hang out in the same room and go, wow, that was amazing. What was that? We were unapologetically in our authentic selves, for lack of a less fluffy term. I am a fucking man. I live in the masculine. Yet I probably cry like four times a week watching like Hallmark commercials and, <laughs> and uh, Queer Eye, right? Yes, like, yes, it's... true, or yes. I love it. <laughs> and and I'm dating someone who I've said over and over, I don't want to date your boss. So when the workday's over, I actually need you to transition back into who I fell in love with, which is a beautiful woman in her feminine. Now, that's not to say that all relationships have to be that way or there aren't polarities. There isn't swapping. She is an 80-20 person, 80% feminine, 20% masculine. I'm an 80-20 person, 80% masculine, 20% feminine. The challenge we have societally is we've spent so many years telling women, you are only successful if you are basically a man in a woman's body. And we've told so many men, you're only safe if you are actually a woman in a man's body. And now we're confused as shit. And now men are rebelling against this. So you have these nice guys, right? They're super polite. They're super kind. They're super lovey. They're super all the woke shit, but they got a really interesting internet history, right? <laughs> if you, they, they have a lot of really abusive porn on their computers. They push consent boundaries. They're angry. They're rageful. On, if you get them alone in a room and get them broken down, they fucking hate women. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of women who are in the exact same frame, just in an opposite flavor, right? And so we have this unique, we've arrived at this cultural place where we all honestly can take a breath and go, okay, that little experiment didn't work. It was necessary. It was necessary. You all had to be able to come into our world, in quotes, the business world, and fuck shit up, which you've done brilliantly. We have you guys are as powerful business wise. I know there's pay gaps and all that, but you can you did it. You can you, you did it, right? And now we have to be able to go into the feminine world and say, okay, this is the world of emotion. I'm not talking women. This is the feminine. This is the world of sensitivity. This is the world of feeling. And guess what? It's going to be as uncomfortable for us as it was for that first wave of women who entered the workforce. So guys, open your heart, grab your balls and start fucking crying. <laughs> oh my God. I should print that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Cause I'm also curious about going back to what you've talked about, about dating. Cause I mean, we're going to have to come at this from like a, a fairly sure. heteronormative, you know, you're sure, a man sure, dating sure. woman and she wants to be in her feminine. You want to be in your masculine. <clears throat> and of course there's a spectrum and, and there's room on that spectrum for all sorts of mix. 100%. But I, I'm wondering how, you as a man who's done so much work on your masculine, how do you help her 
step into her feminine at the end of a day where she has, and it's totally okay. You know, we're talking about, it's Mm. totally okay for a woman to flex those masculine muscles because we all have the feminine and the masculine in us. So how do you hold space for her or how do you help her to step back into the space of being in her feminine as a relief? And you also maybe coming from some of your, you know, coaching work or your more woo-woo stuff. How do you step back into your masculine? How do you hold space for each other there as a couple? It's a beautiful question. So on my end, it's an allowance. I, I open a space for her to do that. And I do that by being as grounded and steady and relaxed as I possibly can. And to also nudge her if I feel the opposite. Right. So if I feel her coming at me or her energy coming at me in a very masculine way, it's not an accusatory. It's not like, hey, you're coming at me like a dude. Hey, <laughs> stop bro punching me. It's it's my way of softening her. And I'm saying all of you listening to this, this is our structure and our goal. So it's not like I'm walking up to random people and be like, now you will be in your feminine. Like waving, <laughs> like waving a magic wand. It's a good way to get punched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't do uh, that. So I view the masculine as the mountain and the feminine as the storm or the weather. And so if I'm, if I can take a breath and after so many years of doing this, I can do it in a breath and go, okay, now I'm going to go talk with her. And just that breath that got me out of my head, out of the spinniness, because my head is going a thousand miles an hour for 15 hours a day. But she doesn't want me in that place because that's chaotic, that's frenetic, that's that's anxious. That's not how I drop her back into her space. And she will also, she will do the same for me. And we have a very particular dynamic where if I ask her to go do something, like, hey, would you mind go turning off the light? She'll say, you know what, I would really appreciate it if you just told me to please go turn off the light. Do you see the difference? Mm. Mm. One is putting her in the masculine decision-making process. Do you want to go turn off the light? She could literally look me in the eye and go, I do. And then do nothing, (laughs) right? (laughs) And then neither of us have really gotten what we've wanted. But if I say, hey, please go turn off the light, then I've given a loving directive. She knows what to do. She does it and then comes back. And I'm not Mm. saying that I don't get up and turn off the light sometimes. So people hearing this don't. Don't take it for that. Or that you're telling um, her what to do, but you I'm not telling you allow each other to show up in a nurturing way, but in your strength. Yeah, because if yes. you don't show up in that stillness, if you are like spinning in your head and not connected to your body, because I teach yoga, I see it so much. I'm just sure. in general, but particularly with dudes who just are so disconnected to their body. They don't they don't know how to move particular parts of mm-hmm. themselves. But if there isn't that stillness, is it that the the female has to take on that role or stay in the masculine because I've certainly been in that position in past relationships. For sure. Somebody has to be the stillness, right? A hundred percent. Someone has to be the like the grounded pole. Mm-hmm. Then someone else gets to move around it. I remember when I was first studying this stuff with Michaela Bohm. Mm-hmm. I was in a, a workshop in LA. It's like a freebie that she put on and she put all the men in a circle and then all of the women in a circle inside of that circle. And they would just stand in front of us. And so they'd stand in front of us and have to say, how do you feel? And how do you feel? How can you get me? How, what advice would you give me to allow you to relax further? 
And it probably took three people, three rotations of the circle before I got it and could just literally take a breath and then feel my stomach relax, feel my shoulders relax, feel my body come into alignment, and then watch this human in front of me literally change. I could watch her facial expression change. I could feel her for the first time rather than just see her and think her. And I went, this is some voodoo magic shit. I got to learn it. <laughs> and to anybody listening who doesn't have a clue what we're talking about, oh, go find out because- Go find it, out. It's magic. It is. It's magic. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's We get in our own way by thinking we live in a logical world. We live in our heads and there's so much else out there, so mm. much else to us that mm. we miss. And it's magic. It truly mm. is. Like being in the presence of a grounded- human and a grounded man is just such a, an energetic relief for me mm-hmm. as a strong alpha female. I want to sure. be able to you crave it. Yeah. I, I need that anchoring stillness in order to be the perfect storm Betsy that goes out and like fuck shit up and changes the world. I need right. a solid place to stand. And that's, that's what I'm looking for in a partner these days. Cause I've 100%. been with men who are very in their feminine because of course, I attracted that because I was very in my masculine, you know, mm-hmm. getting shit done, being out in the world, changing things. So yeah, there you go. That's my my dating advert. Anybody? Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> and you know, yeah. Betsy, I used to, I used to pr- like it's it sounds sociopathic, and I hope it doesn't come across this way, but I used to play with this on first dates in New York, where I would sit oh, across from someone and say, "Okay, how relaxed can I get myself?" How deeply can I try to feel her with my stomach? And let's see what happens. And I remember a woman just starting to sweat and her asking me like, what are you doing to me? Because <laughs> New Yorkers. I'm not, yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. You just haven't been in the presence of someone who's grounded, have you? And that fucked with her. And I realized in that moment just how strong and how real polarity was. So with my partner, if I go downstairs after we've both been working and I can sense that she's still all over the place or she's still in decision-making mode, my goal is to remind her energetically and verbally and with touch that she's actually safe to drop back into her own feminine. And if she's not, often if if she's not dropping back in, a lot of times it may be a sense of a lack of safety. So just the reminder, like a half joke, like I may put my hand on her heart and be like, you know what? You're on safe ground here. Take a breath for me. Okay, cool. And that's like, that's it. And then the rest of our evening is is in that state. Mm. But we've made the decision that I'm leading. She's not following, but she is being led. Very yeah. different idea. And that only is in our relationship. It's not you know, outside of anywhere else. Oh, that's going to be a trigger word for a lot of people. The idea of letting a man lead and being led. And so, yeah, dive into that. So I'm triggered by it. Other people are probably going to be triggered by it. Like, how dare you? I don't want to be led by any man. But what you're talking about isn't you have to do my things my way. What, what What are you saying? What does being led mean? This is the best way I can put it. I was, and this was new to me a couple of years ago. And if you know the name Jamie Thompson, I don't know if you follow her on Instagram at holistic sex coach. She's a good friend of mine. Now we were going to do a workshop together uh, and we'd just been introduced to each other. And I said, cool. And we'll just figure it all out 50, 50. And, and you're like, you, and she goes, no, no, no. I do not want to be and hear these words with nuance on equal input. 
I want to have equal power in this and equal inequality in this, but I want you to make the decisions because she wanted to show up and allow herself to unfold. And that's her genius. And fuck, is it a genius when she actually does it? And so she's like, I don't want to make decisions. I actually want to just arrive, do my magic and leave. You take care of the details. And I went, okay. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm now triggered as fuck because I grew up in a house with a bunch of feminists. And what, what you just proposed to me sounds a lot like misogyny. So I'm going to have to work through my own shit. <laughs> and did. And so now in relationship, say to my partner and said to her from the beginning, this is what I believe works best in my body. What works best in your body? And she took a breath and went, okay, here's all my fucking patterning and conditioning. Feminism, Catholicism, being an American, being an entrepreneur. Like I am wired to just everything you just said pissed me off. Oh my God. She, I and can yet, relate. We should chat. Yes. <laughs> my, her body relaxed. And she went, this is weird. My body actually relaxes with the idea of you leading. And I went, okay, cool. Let's play with this. My body relaxes when I know I get to lead. So if that's how we work well together, why do we give a shit what anybody else says or thinks if this is how we relate to each other? And so if the wording is hard, like Michaela says, someone is on the go, someone is the flow. Then we take some of the the, like gendering out and some of the old, like I'm not being fucking led. Okay. A unique if you want to if you want to really think about this and we'll just get really dirty and let's and get uncomfortable, man. Yeah. Think of the bedroom. Mm. Do you want to be in charge in the bedroom? Hell no. Do you want to be making the first move? Do you want to be deciding what happens when? Do you want to be in charge? Well, even if dating, you, like I don't want to chase somebody. I don't want to make the first move. I want to be able to lean back and be like, what how how can I unfold? Create space for me to come and just be Beautiful and gracious and elegant and feminine. Yeah. So does that sound like misogyny? No. You use the term unfold and I that clicked yeah. for me. Like I want to in my life, in my relationships as a woman and in my work, like I I yeah, I just want to be handed a speech prepped while walk on stage, rock and roll. I don't want to yeah. arrange the event. And it's the same in my relationships. Sure. I don't want to have to manage all the details and plan our life. I want to just be able to be the good, the things that I'm good at. Yeah. 100%. Unfolding. That works for me. Yeah, unfolding is a biggie. Yeah. Right. And then when yeah. I use the bedroom example, it's really clear for, especially for women who, who have been conditioned in pattern that any man leading is misogyny. I'm like, cool. Imagine you and I are on our third date. And so now's the magic time <laughs> and we come home and I just flop back on your bed and I'm like, go ahead. <laughs> that's so unsexy i can't even my body is just like no just no bye a puddle of desire all across (laughs) your listeners right now and if not though why that's the question start start unpeeling the layers for some women it's like perfect that's exactly what i want beautiful that's how you express yourself but for most it's not and so why is that is that cultural is it patterning or is it simply how your nervous system best response mm-hmm. oh man and we can go really upsetting let's really upset people here yeah we're way way past my comfort zone good, so let's good, keep good, sailing good. 
people can, if you want to email me hate mail, I get it all the time. And then it's usually <laughs> followed up by like, but I really want a man. And like, I know, I know. So I'm respond the masculine in my view is, is has domain over the 3d world, the physical structural literal world. The feminine is the 4d and 5d. You guys are consciousness. You guys are higher levels of understanding. You are the broader, deeper thinkers. Like I get turned on by going and chopping firewood. <laughs> so does my dad. Oh, I love it, right? <laughs> and it's like it fit, I got like a great day is chopping firewood all day. And yet when I ask a lot of women, is that your big thing? Like, no, I really don't want to just cut down trees. Do you want to build houses? Do you want to build roads? Do you want to be like, do you want to be engaged in the physical world or how many of you, how, like, you know, the self-development world, the spiritual world, it's 99% women. It's dominated by women. And, and yet yeah. if we look at the construction industry, and I don't think it's just because of like, I don't see women knocking down the doors to get into construction sites of like, this is us. This is where we belong. This is what we want to do. And so that may sound old school. It may sound misogynistic, but it's how I view the world. Like, okay, cool. So let us do this. So I tell my partner, here's where I want our relationship to be a year from now, two years from now, three years, four years, five years, physically. This is the land I want to buy. This is the house I want to build on it. This is what I want to do, the projects I want to do. What, do you, what about you? And her dive is into, this is the family I want to have. These are the things I want us studying. These are the conversations I want us having. This is the depth I want us to go. Yeah. Like, wow, cool. We got this figured out. It's funny because as I've watched my parents who've been married for 52 years really evolve into their relationship to a place where they're so happy together and they're so just like, I mean, disgustingly happy together. But they, you know, my dad goes and he shows me his hydraulic log chopper because I'm from Wyoming and you know how we roll. And he goes out and spends a day chopping wood. And my mother, it's her idea of hell. So of course she stays home with the dogs and has my sister round for lunch and keeps the family network going. And right. and then the other thing is they've developed this vocabulary over the years. And so, yeah, like all the trigger alerts, I'm translating this into how my old, very Christian parents make this work. Also, like women, we see things differently. We see networks. We, you know, 100%. that whole multitasking brain. My mom would be like, oh, and my dad would be like, you're spider webbing again, Peg. Mm. I'm not to that knot yet because he describes his thinking process as a rope with a knot and a rope mm. with a knot. And he'll, mm. he'll just look at my mom and say, I'm not to that knot yet. And then they have a little mm. chuckle because they understand how they work, which actually is a really quite developed understanding of the masculine and the feminine together. And they right. would never term it that way. They would never think sure. of it that way, but they've come to that sure. naturally because they understand how their dynamic works. Right. So yeah. <laughs> and and I what I've found with working with so many couples is that when you get rid of the pat, the conditioning that says to a woman, if you do this and feel better, that's okay. And to a man, if you do this and feel better, that's okay. And if you each do that and you both feel better, that's okay too. When we get past the bullshit and go, okay, this doesn't work for everybody, but it works for the, for the masses. And so if it works for you, why not do it? And if it does work for you, why not celebrate it? Well, because I was raised that this means, nope, you were raised wrong. I'm sorry. You were raised with 1970s, 1980s, 1990s programming that is now outdated. 
And so now we have to return back to, okay, what works in the body? What works in your body? If it feels good to be led, then allow yourself to be led. It doesn't mean, this is where we get all fucking confused. Do we think to be led is to be weaker? And so if we take that idea out of the picture and go, no, it actually doesn't. Yeah. Now are you okay being led? Oh, it's, okay. yeah. It's like having somebody take the snow plow so that you can just like have a good old time driving without sledding off the road. And that mm-hmm. is, I am signed up to that. But I totally agree with what you're saying about we have to be deconditioned from being so stuck in our heads and not trusting how we feel. Because mm-hmm. I can relate to this from a personal point of view very much because thinking back to myself even five years ago, I would have just been horrified and really defensive about this same discussion but i've gotten to a place of really trusting how Mm -hmm. i feel and listening Mm -hmm. to myself and and ignoring the language like you know you've said some things that trigger me in my brain but when i think about how i feel in those situations i totally agree with you so we are really transitioning into a new way of being as humans hopefully um collectively of being more intuitive, listening more to ourselves, but there's a lot of deconditioning to do, which is back to uncivilized. Sure, sure, sure. Deconditioning and giving people emotional vocabulary and space to explore. And how yeah. have you seen? How have you seen this impact, men? What has the the result been? Is it? I know it's continuing to grow, so there's clearly an appetite. It's wild, Becky. It's wild. Right now, imagine me taking a group of 50 men and saying, I want to change your relationship to the word chaos because the feminine is chaos. And, and if we go, if we de, if we uncharge the word and say, do you know what else is chaos? Art. Do you know what else is chaos? Intuition. Do you know what else is chaos? Spirituality. Do you know what else is chaos? Nature. Now. Do you have a different understanding of why when a woman, you ask a woman a yes, no question, and she goes, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes. And that answer is like one single word that makes (laughs) sense to her in her body. That makes sense. I stole this from Sophie, Sophie Josephina, who told me this. And I was like, but I asked you a simple question. And she's like, I gave you a simple answer. You just don't understand it. And I went, Oh, fuck me in the ear. This actually does make sense. So imagine 50 guys hearing this and going, so when my wife changes clothes five times before we leave, gets in the car, has to run back inside and changes back (laughs) into the original outfit that she put on, that can be art. That can be nature. I don't need to get upset about that. I don't need to call her crazy. I don't need to get emotional about that. I don't need to get triggered about that. I'm actually going to sit in the car and laugh and celebrate that I get the honor of sharing with my life with someone who expresses themselves so deeply or so differently. Oh, now we take that 50 men and we have them share that with 10,000 men. We go, okay, how do you guys now see the feminine? Do you now see them as something that needs to be controlled and subjugated and and like and contracted? Or are you going to go home and celebrate this person because they bring so much color and beauty and laughter and radiance into your life? <laughs> Holy fucking shit. 
the stuff you learned in the 90s that was joked about on sitcoms actually isn't funny. So how do I see it shifting? I see it changing like I see it change so many marriages, so many relationships, so many relationships that men have with sex, so many relationships that men have with desire, so many relationships men have with respect for the opposite sex, which brings us back to me too, which brings us back to not all men, which brings us back to the things we talked about in the beginning. So to me, it changes everything. When there is a foundation of safety underneath the feminine, in a man, hear this, in a man's body, when I go, I got fucking balls. I know I can go crush shit in the world. I'm going to go, ch- I could chop down 50 trees if I wanted to. That's how powerful I am. I'm going to celebrate that. That provides the foundation for me to feel my heart, which is more of a feminine realm, emotion of the feminine. Now, if I do that in one body, imagine if we did that as a culture. Imagine if every dude woke up and went, wow, you know the personal work that I do? That's going to allow for the, for the beauty of the world to flourish. That's going to allow for consciousness to expand. That's going to allow for all the shit we're stuck on societally that we just can't get over to actually evaporate. To me, that's a worthwhile movement. That's a worthwhile trade of my life. And watching it happen day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment – is yeah. overwhelming sometimes, which is why I cry when I watch <laughs> yes. Queer Eye. Oh my gosh. Who doesn't cry when they watch Queer Eye? I think every episode. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh God, I love it. And what is it? It's, it's support. It's providing of a safe place and then love in a package that you can't deny because it is so exuberant and so outlandish and so chaotically beautiful that you just have to surrender to it and be like, okay, love me. I get it. And I'll get a haircut and, and fucking yeah. shave my weird beard yeah. and stop wearing cargo shorts. They liberate people when they free them of cargo shorts and teach them to be able to moisturize and take care of themselves. <laughs> it's beautiful. And, you know, like cook because you deserve beautiful food. Or it's Yeah, it's just the way that they transform people. Yeah, it's a dose of love, support, and self-esteem. And what are they really doing is bringing people back to themselves and having people look at where was the time when you made the decision that you being authentic wasn't okay? And that is it in a nutshell. So for everyone listening who did get triggered as fuck, I'm sorry and good. And now look at what are we really talking about? We're talking about an entire culture that's not allowed to express itself authentically, that feels unsafe expressing itself authentically. To me, that is a tragedy. And the opposite is the liberation, the euphoria, the utopia that we read about in kids' books, but we live here in war-torn, earth-shattered, you know, horrible, dysfunctional relationship land. Because mm, I talk about how women don't feel safe. I mean, I'm a woman and I I don't feel safe walking around alone at night. I don't feel safe on a first date with somebody. I don't know if my friends don't know where I am. You know, like there are so many ways in which I don't feel safe as a woman in the world. But when you put it that way, it, it really dawns on me that men aren't safe either. You can't be authentic without being afraid that you will get beaten up or rejected even by a woman for being emotional Mm -hmm. or in touch with your true inner self. And there is, you know, masculinity exists on a spectrum and there are men who express more femininity than masculine. 100%. Another, another question is sort sure. of where, 
where is there space in this? It will in uncivilized in particular, but also sure. in the broader movement of reclaiming masculinity for men who don't identify as hyper masculine. You know, like do you have to be a chest beating barbarian and uncover your blah blah blah? Or where is there space no. for men who identify on the more feminine end of the spectrum in all of this? They just need to have an uh, understanding of both sides of the coin. And even if a man, and I have plenty of very feminine men in my movement, plenty of gay men, plenty of artists, plenty of dancers, plenty of poets, mm. but they have this understanding that what's underneath, so maybe it's only 20% as a foundation, but that 20% of masculinity is unapologetic. And it is trauma, you know, as, as trauma free as it can be. I'm not going to say that there's a point where like, no, I have no more trauma. But it's, it's been uncoupled from the trauma of existence. So those guys still know that I, it's a, I'm not going to apologize for being a man. I'm not going to apologize for living in a man's body. I'm not going to apologize for being feminine as fuck. But do not deny the masculine in you, even if it's only 5%. Do not deny the masculine expression. And do not deny the primal. Because I have some very, very beautiful, artistic, poetic men who I know if shit hits the fan, they can draw back to that primal masculine and go, okay, cool. I'm going to go cut down some fucking trees. And then I'm <laughs> going to go back to ballet dancing. And that's fine. That's beautiful. There's so many different flavors of masculinity. There's so many, but yet they all, in my opinion, incorporate the masculine and the feminine period, mm. fucking period. Same like there's mm. so many flavors of femininity, but they all, all of them incorporate the masculine and the feminine. Yeah. So it's about allowing people to fully show up as themselves without shame. A hundred percent. Amen. Yeah. That's, and that's what you would want for anyone. If you really get down to it. So sort of stripped of the, the gendered language. Yeah. Like we want people to be able to show up as who they are and be recognized for it, rewarded for it, paid fairly for it. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, it goes across the spectrum. Of masculine and feminine. Yeah, I think, I think we've nailed it in the end there, Trevor. I don't, I don't know Thank anybody you. could disagree with that. Thank you. What's so interesting to me, Betsy, is I probably have, here's the dirty secret. I probably have 80% of people expressing themselves as uncivilized, in quotes, are women. And so this isn't just a male thing. It's people saying, hey, are you unapologetic about being who you are? Or, like, so it's the, if I go through the ethos, which you listed, are you your sister's keeper? More importantly, are you your own keeper? Right? Are you willing to question what you've been told? Do you have access to your head, your heart, and your gut? And if we return, if we non-gender it, right? Are you willing to fight hurt? Are you willing to look after people? Do you realize that there's going to be people who come onto this earth after you? And there were people who were here before you who you need to respect. Did every single one of us, barring some new like five-year-old shift in language, were we all birthed by a woman? Every fucking one of us. So let's have some reverence for the feminine. When you said, like, I don't feel safe walking around, the default is I see a man and that man could be dangerous. That man possibly is dangerous. What if the default was that man is integrated and is here to just hold space at minimum, protect at maximum. If that was the default, 
right? And for men to say, wow, with my female partner, I'm allowed to express myself fully, openly, emotionally, and all the way. And I know that there's no ramification. The default is I will be celebrated for that. That's really the root of this, of we've shamed the shit out of both sides of the coin. Yeah. Right? If we all just were showing up to keep each other safe or to make each other feel safe, we would be super powered in the world because then we would be free to be our whole selves and to do amazing things without worrying about being shamed or killed or beaten up. And and that happens for men and women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this is... It happens for men and women. It actually happens on higher numbers to men, but it happens always, 99% of the time, by men. So when guys tell me like, well, we get assaulted and murdered more often than women do. I'm like, yeah, but who does it? We do, jackass. Okay, cool. Next topic. So men need to shift how we we walk the 3D earth so differently. Yeah. But you nailed it. Yeah. Collaboration. Yeah, it's it's liberation. It's collaboration. It's community. It's allowing everyone to show up as themselves, which is a beautiful aspiration. So that means like taking a hard look at ourselves in the mirror sometimes and being like, how am I not allowing men to show up in the masculine? Mm. You know, how am I shaming men? How am I? What triggers me? And what does that say to me? Because we're all, if you're triggered, you're projecting something. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm here to tell you, everybody. And also, I'm saying that to myself. If I'm triggered about something, it's because I have something I need to examine. Mm. So if any of this language that we've used today, if any of these topics have, have triggered you, well, A, get in touch. You know, mm. you can send Traver a nice email for me. <laughs> but also think about, you know, what, what is there there for you? What is yeah. What are you being called to look at and dive into? Because that's the juicy work. Like you said, that's where the juice is. Sure, 100%. So, I'm not even going to ask you what people need to be uncomfortable about because I think we've gotten plenty of material there to work yeah, with. Yeah. But I guess, hmm, what gives you hope? These conversations. In all of your works. Yeah. Right? The fact that when I first wrote Man Uncivilized, I was told no one would read it. And I'm wasting my time. Like, you're, you're dumb. This is absolutely – like, no one will read this. And yet I have thousands upon thousands of emails from both men, women, couples – of saying, this was what I was waiting for. And so I believe in a shift in consciousness. I truly do believe it. I know COVID's been a little bit of a kick in the pants, but it's also been a really good mirror. And so I believe in how many people are actually looking at the world as it's being presented and saying, this sounds a lot like insanity and I'm not going to be a party to it. I'm going to live in this world, but not be of it. Okay. I'm going to have these i'm going to read i'm going to study i'm going to question you know 10 years ago i wasn't i don't know if people a lot of people were but i wasn't questioning anything 20 years ago i wasn't questioning a thing and i didn't know and it was i was in for lack of a better term like semi-evolved circles of people but like there was just no question of the status quo it's like it doesn't work too bad you're just not doing it right now we at least get to take a step back and go, it's not working because it doesn't work. Yeah. So. But you know what? That is the most profound statement. Like I spend a lot of time talking about systems and shift and climate change and you just nailed it. Like I'm, you know what? It's not working because it doesn't work. Thanks. 100%. On a t-shirt tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So that's what gives me hope. And, and I'll tell you what really gives me hope. And I know it's because I'm in the male world 
how again five years ago people were like men's work get the fuck out of here get out of here with that <laughs> shit emotion like what are you fucking kidding me and now how i can sell out a workshop of men in two days when five years ago it was like clawing at people to get them to even just to open a book and so i believe in the tide i believe in the momentum that's coming from this. So that gives mm. me so much hope. And again, people willing to have conversation. I, I am so, I'm a social media person and yet it is the devil. Yet it has brought so much information to the collective. Like I get to hang out with Esther Perel on fucking, on Instagram. Where did that, Jealous. right? That Jealous. wasn't happening 10 years ago. <laughs> I could maybe yeah. read an article that was curated and edited, but this is like, I get to hang out with geniuses. And people who are on the cutting edge and the forefront of societal change. And so does everybody. Yeah, I get to hang out with a bunch of people who are yahoos and actually dumb as stones. But <laughs> there's also the top of the mountain too. You know, yeah. I'll share with you that I, I wrote – I have a longstanding relationship with Bella, my kettlebell. And two days ago, I posted a video on – not all men. And it was the most shared, commented on, et cetera, thing I've ever created. And then that night I swung my kettlebell and I took a picture of her and I said, I love swinging her little tank ass. And I woke up to like, you are a misogynist. I can't believe you would I, like, <laughs> objectify your kettlebell. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is the, this is the scope of being on social media. So I do have hope. I had Bella's consent to take the photo Sure. <laughs> oh, you have to have thick skin to be out there and i don't yet so yeah. i think i probably need to just get over that and for those but, who just missed that that was a kettlebell that i'm talking about <laughs> who have you happened to gender it and it, oh man that's okay yeah that's, so i have oh. hope on most days betsy <laughs> there's still those moments when it swerves into crazyville real fast uh -huh. but yes yes uh -huh. all right two final questions sure one thing you want to leave with the people listening to this podcast who identify as male. Mm. And then the second is one thing you want people listening to this podcast who identify as female to listen. Because obviously, like, you know, you can identify as male and not have been born genetically male. Sure. Totally or, you know, open agree. to that in this conversation. Sure. So, yeah, to the masculine identifying, to the feminine identifying, one thing each. To the male identifiers. It is literally like this is your moment in history. This isn't World War II. We are not being asked to storm beaches, but it is as important that you have to do the work. You have to engage in the work. And the work is not out there. The work is literally on the inner plane right now. It is on the emotional plane. Like we've gone to Mars. We're, like We don't have too much further to go, but yet, the unexplored realm is our hearts, our chests, our emotions, our triggers, our behaviors, our shame, our shadows, all of that shit needs to be looked at and it needs to be looked at a year ago. So get to fucking work. And to the women or the female identifying people, we are doing the work. Please hold space. Thank you for holding space. I'm sorry for all of the damage and all of the trauma that we have imposed on you and are continuing to impose on you. And yet hear that the call is out there. It's not like, when are guys going to, when are guys going to, it's not guys are going to, 
So we appreciate you. I have reverence for you. And part of this shift is actually to return reverence back to you. And I think that's all I have to say. I don't think there's anywhere to go from there in this conversation. I think that's a beautiful way to tie this up. A beautiful thing to leave people with. And also, if you've made it this far in this episode, uh, if you've been triggered, thank you for sticking with us. If you've come back after having been triggered and taken a little break, thank you for sticking with us. I hope you enjoyed the ending because that was the that was the pièce de résistance. That was the, the beautiful ending that I think tied it all together so beautifully. So thank you so much, Shaver, for the work that you do in the world. Thank you for helping thank men you. to show up in their masculine so that women like me can show up in our feminine. And mm. let's go out and make the world safe for each other. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast, to my brilliant editor, Dimitar Tsvedkov, to Thomas Sheffer for the original music, and to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheBetsyRead, That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable.